Hello, everyone. How's it going? Uh, Happy New Year to everyone who's listening. This is back finally. It's been a while for the uh, M3 podcast here. Uh, Renamed a little bit. It's still M3, but I called it uh, Multi uh, Mega Multimedia Productions. I changed the name a little bit to make it a little bit easier for people to find. Hopefully, that will still be all good. Still always talking about movies, games, TV shows, anime, comics, all things kind of in the media, all things fun um mostly tends to mostly be a lot of marvel content but that's just because it's all what's big uh so uh i'm myself i'm davis i'm the main uh i guess producer podcast person i don't know how you want to say it (laughs) but uh, i come back and forth between a few people each week and kind of elaborate and we chat chat about what's going on in the world um this episode we're going to be mostly talking about spider-man no way home or uh yeah Far no yeah no way home. There's so all the all the names are so bizarre sometimes. Uh, chit chatting about that. I'm and so it will be a spoiler, but it's now been uh, almost a month since it's been out. So I'm hopefully if people are listening, they've already seen it. Uh, and then we'll be talking about some of the best movies of 2021, TV shows, everything, and if we even get a chance to. But it will probably relate mostly due due to uh, Marvel content again. But it's always fun. So uh, with me today is a friend of mine, Neil Chase. He is a, a local uh, actor, writer, producer, director. His uh, productions in uh, Brimstone, uh, well, I guess him and uh, other people that Brimstone Productions, they are a local agency, kind of. How would you describe Brimstone? Yeah, it's uh, Brimstone Pictures. There's a, there is a Brimstone Productions, but I think those guys are out of the States. So not to confuse people with the two brands. Um, yeah, it's uh, Brimstone Pictures. So that's it's uh, myself, uh, David Haycock, um, and uh, Preston Iwasiak. The three of us kind of banded together and uh, formed this little company to, yeah, make some make some pretty cool little genre style content for the uh, Edmonton slash Alberta region. Um, I think we're we're trying to do something a little bit different. Um, something to, to sort of set um, the city apart from from your typical um, low budget horror or low budget slasher, I should say, and uh, uh, Christmas movies. That seems to be <laughs> the sort of the two big things that get filmed around here, and, and we're just kind of trying to break that mold and uh, put something out there that's that's you know uh, uh, relatively high quality at a at a budget. Yeah. So um, that's the idea. Well, we are, we, well, I guess you are, I was kind of here a little, little bit with, with it, but working, you're working on a production right now, but we're not going to go too much detail because you don't want to elaborate that, but it's basically one of the feature films that's happening in, in Edmonton that, and as Preston told me, he was like, he wants to kind of break the mold to try to help um, bring, let bigger agencies know that Edmonton can do it, right? That's that's the plan. Yeah, yeah. It's a script that I wrote. Um, it uh, it got some attention from from um, the Nickel Fellowships, which is uh, uh, put on by by the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences. Um, so they they had some really nice things to say about it. Um, it, it placed in their competition, and and I thought, you know, okay, if we're gonna do something, um, that's that's primarily single location that's uh low budget small cast small crew um this is kind of the one to to come out of the gate with and and that was that was the plan and it's it's been going 
really, really well so far. I, I couldn't be happier with the results. Um, we're still um, in filming right now in production. We kind of took a hiatus over the um, over the Christmas holidays. Um, I think we're looking to resume probably end of January, maybe beginning of February. How depending on how everything sort of uh, lines up. Yeah, there's there's so many different factors. I mean, that's obviously the uh, the elephant in the room, you know, for any production moving forward. Um, luckily, though, the the stuff we have left requires pretty much like um, one or two actors uh, in a single location uh, indoors. So it's it's not a big one. It's not a big um, any big group scenes or anything like this. Thank goodness. Um, that was never the intent of this film. So, you know, uh, when I wrote it, I wanted it to be something that we could we could film locally, that we could film very contained. Um, and that was before, you know, COVID even reared its ugly head. So that had really nothing, it wasn't driven by that. Uh, it, it was just more driven from, from uh, logistics and economics standpoint. Um, and, and I always thought of it as a really great challenge to be able to write a single location film, uh, feature film. Because mm -hmm. uh, to me, some of, uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna pull it off well, the story has to be really tight. Because um, how do you keep somebody's interest in a single place? Mm -hmm. uh, no, you know, for no car chases 90, or anything. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly, you know, and, and, and there's some really great films out there that, that managed to do that. You know, I, I think of, um, just off the top of my head, stuff, stuff like uh, Buried, for example, with Ryan Reynolds, uh, the entire thing takes place in a box. I mean, that that was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, then there's something like Burke with Tom Hardy. Uh, he did a, a, I think, wasn't it Burke? I, I think it was, uh, where he he basically acts the entire thing in, in his car on a drive from one uh, English city to another. Mm -hmm. um, again, amazing performance. You know, and and and, and great story, and, and that's what it comes down to is, is sort of the the character developments, I think, and the, you want to have some really great dialogue, you want to have some really great um, character development, and and a, a really intriguing and interesting story at the heart of it that makes viewers want to stay tuned in and and find out like where is this going, you know, uh, and how does it end? So mm. that's the idea. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, we can't really elaborate too, too much. Well, maybe uh, later when it's actually being, uh, actually coming out, we'll talk and elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, I close that. Yeah, that'd be fun. So that's you and you and your stuff. Let's get to what people want to actually hear and talk about. So I'm, when, I'm, I'm assuming if we're talking, you, you saw Spider-Man, correct? I have. When, yeah. when, <laughs> when, when did you see it? Uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, it was uh, it was over the over the holidays here, um, and with the weather being what it is, it seemed like a perfect time to spend it in a nice warm theater as opposed to being outside in the minus whatever billion it was. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least that's how it felt like. Um, yeah, so so yeah, it was a really it was I thought it was a great film. I really really enjoyed it. I think it's uh, the best Marvel film in easily the last couple of years. Oh yeah, that's. Uh... In the last couple of years, how what's a couple of years to you? 
<laughs> the last film, the, the the last film, the Marvel film that I enjoyed as much as this one would have probably been um, Endgame. Endgame, yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying is that it's yeah. at the same level as uh, Infinity War and uh, Infinity War Endgame because it's it's yeah. it's such a big like franchise continuation, right? Just like End End Endgame, everything was in comparison to yeah. Shang Shang Chi w- was good, but it wasn't as good. Black Widow was not as good as we thought it was good and we we talked about that before as well but um like black widow was like as you and i both said it was like it should have came out in like 2010 2012 whatever but and it would have made more sense like uh but yeah no and so exactly i'm a spider-man's my favorite hero spider-man's most people's favorite superhero you either have batman fans or you're spider-man fans basically and 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 yeah, I saw. I, you say that. I'm 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 honestly more what what you've got right behind you there, uh, Captain, Captain America. America? That's my boy. Yeah, I I, um, I I I found I used to be or I still am a uh, uh, Superman, my my number one hero. But but Captain America is right up there with them as far as I'm concerned. Um, that started really with the Civil War um comic books mm-hmm. and then the movie adaptations when when chris evans took over that role man i thought he was just cast so perfectly yeah you know people talk about robert downey jr jr being perfect which mm-hmm. he was but chris evans man that guy embodies that role 100 percent. well the well the top top three chris evans robert jr robert downey jr and um hugh jackman like there's three people yeah well the, well, the only thing go. the only thing with hugh jackman is that he is he's too big in comparison to because wolverine's only like five like four or something like that in the comics yeah so that's yeah, the only exactly. thing that that that's negative about hugh jackman as as wolverine <laughs> but those are the top three people that are like yeah like no one no one else can and and it doesn't look like uh marvel's gonna be trying to like recast or do anything like that so like at least as of right now with so many things happening with the mcu that's what i noticed with a lot of things in the mcu is that they are mm-hmm. making continuations instead of trying to rebring in things. So they're having uh, Iron Heart. They're having uh, uh, Soldier. Uh, what's his name? Soldier? No, not Soldier Boy. That's completely different. Um, the, the young Captain America. I don't remember his name. In in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they introduced him. They introduced like so many other characters. So they're still continuing on the franchises, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's honestly, I think it's a smart move uh, because these. Uh... I think we live in a time where if, if a franchise becomes really successful, people identify the actor with the role. And it's hard to sort of disconnect yourself from it. I think it's a lot easier to do with um, a supporting character or somebody who's not as well known. Like famously when they recast, um, you know, Rhodey um, mm-hmm. in, in Iron Man 2. I think they could get away with that because he was a supporting character. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they did it with with Robert Downey Jr. I think there would have been a much more of a backlash had that happened, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's and that you know bringing it into the the Spider Man conversation, I think, is interesting. You know, this this entire topic because it, it's kind of what's cool about it is they they did exactly that three times over with Spider Man. Right? <laughs> exactly. First, and then in this film, what's amazing is they actually bring all those worlds together, which mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. Uh, I I loved uh, how they did that. And, and this this one, how because I've had complaints, and I kind of for myself myself especially uh, as well, is that um, 
both Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home um, were good Spider-Man movies, but they were more MCU movies. Like, if you know what I mean, in comparison to Andrew Garfield or Tommy McGuire, where they were just good Spider-Man movies because they didn't have, like, a whole world to build off of, right? Where this one, it actually right. is, it's other than, uh, like, other little nods to other characters and having Doctor Strange, obviously, in it as well, but that's the kind of, like, the main, the only main parallel. It's still just a mm -hmm. Spider-Man movie. Like, it's Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Men, fighting all the, like, the villains and everyone that are, like, known as Sinister Six, the Craven, Craven the Hunter, well, I guess, but tease Craven the Hunter, I guess, at the end, but, you know, other known yeah. villains, and, and the fact that there's, like, uh, uh, like Venom, they like when they first introduced Venom into the Sony verse, it was like, why? How are they going to do this without Spider-Man? And now they're kind of teasing, like bringing Venom in. It's oh. like, it's a, it's done in such a way where like, it's a Spider-Man movie. It's such a Spider-Man movie, but it's still subtle hints to the MCU. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's part of that overall world, but they didn't have to dip into that world. Which I think, and in, in, in this case, in this film, I thought it worked really well. Like, um, to contrast, for example, um, you know, uh, you could look at, say, Iron Man 3, or, or you could look at um, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. And, and there would be these times when you sort of like, you're seeing these sort of world-shattering events happening, and you're wondering, well, where's the other Avengers mm -hmm. while all this is happening? It's like, it's so big yeah. what's going on. Thor Dark World was a big, right? yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's, that's a perfect example, right? And so you're wondering, where are all these other heroes in, in this time of crisis? Mm -hmm. um, and I think what was cool about the Spider-Man film is that it's, it is still kind of localized in its, in its scope. It wasn't like some world-shattering event, mm -hmm. uh, even though uh, the scale of it sort of grows and grows and grows and, and becomes this thing. It's like the entire universe is at stake. Mm -hmm. And yet it's still localized to just like, New York, New York and specifically at the end uh the Statue of Liberty yeah exactly you know? so so I thought that was really well done yeah that that's what I was uh, yeah thinking there too because like um bringing in and and having um you know uh, uh Tom Holland's Peter Parker's like his friends still there and making it about him and his story and everything and mm -hmm. having especially having um uh Aunt May being like an integral part and her death in that in this movie was like the oh heart-wrenching moment and everything and and we never got anything like that in any of the previous Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man movies right and like yeah they were they were much lighter sort of um it felt lighter right it didn't feel as heavy as as the the Tobey Maguire or the Andrew Garfield where, where there was a lot more darker content mm -hmm. right um, but this one definitely sort of, you know, became a lot heavier. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but as soon as she said those words, uh, I was like, uh oh, she's done for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Sure enough, and sure enough, it's like a minute later. It's like I'm like, oops. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's no, there's there's no coming back to life after those words are said. The but the the only thing because like, uh, I guess Uncle Ben or I guess in this case uh, Aunt May. Uh, dying is yeah. this is the same same thing as um, uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, parents uh, dying in the alleyway or whatever. Like it's something that you you can't retcon that that can't be back. Like maybe in comics there there probably are you know more about actual comics than I do, but there probably are w worlds 
where they're not actually dead or they come back to life or some random thing but like mm -hmm. th that's the thing that grounds them into making what let them to do what they do right and that's why i think yeah. why yeah yeah that, that's kind of the idea behind the the characters right is is um this idea that they 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 suffer some form of tragedy that then sets them on this path and and it's always what separates the hero from the villain um the hero will decide to channel that that pain that grief uh even that anger uh in a positive way and try to affect good um out of the the tragedy that they've suffered whereas the villain will give in to all of those negative feelings and will lash out at the world and will mm -hmm. say you know you took from me now i'm going to take from you mm -hmm. um so that at its heart really that's really what defines the hero versus and, villain and you know this situation like that but the thing the thing i love about like i guess all three of the spider-man spider-man like in the individual movies is that they they even elaborate on this in in this one is that they each kind of still have that human aspect of like case this bad thing happened and they want to actually seek revenge or whatever like uh toby wire mm -hmm. with uncle ben um same thing with uh i think it was the same thing yeah same thing even with uh, andrew garfield with in amazing spider-man both of them have that like yeah trying to go after the robber moment and being like full vengeful and then you see right. like that the 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 comeback into hero uh, heroism yeah, and that's that's really what defines a hero, right? Is the the at that moment of truth, do you do you give in to your flaws or do you overcome them? Um, and I found it interesting how in this one though it wasn't so much that Tom Holland Spider-Man overcame that moment. It, it took <laughs> Tobey Maguire's sacrifice for him to realize it. Mm -hmm. And that, that that was really really cool. How, how they, you know, it's almost like out of the three of them, you know, each one had a different um, core strength, right? Mm -hmm. that, that the others then were, you know, or, or even an internal flaw that the others would help them overcome. You know, I thought it was wonderful how they gave Andrew Garfield that moment of saving MJ yeah. uh, to, to make up for not being able to do it with Gwen, mm -hmm. right? And, and it was such a poignant moment. I thought like he acted like Andrew Garfield as an actor acted so beautifully in that moment. It was like, I was like, oh man, I'm feeling this here. You know? Yeah, well, that, that's that brought up so many things online of like, get Andrew Garfield uh, an Amazing Spider-Man 3, like get him into the role again, because a lot of people are like liking him at, in the role. And, and, and and at first I didn't really like him. I liked him as a Spider-Man, but not so much as a Peter Parker in the in the first uh, Amazing Spider-Man movie. Yeah, he was too. I felt the same way. Yeah, he was too like uh, skater boy and too cool or whatever, in my in my yeah. opinion. Um, but yes. yeah, a lot of people yeah show okay. that uh, yeah Andrew Garfield he can be a, a strong actor, really really good at he's really good at the emotional points and moments, right? Yeah. I think he's gotten better over the years, you know, um, it's, it's one of those things where experience, right? Um, he's, he, cause he's definitely not the same kid he was when he played those, uh, those Spider-Man films, um, you know, whatever it is, 10, 15 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I think he's grown a lot as an actor and it really showed in this performance. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful performance. Mm -hmm. 
um so what did what did you think about uh like the introduction to the villains like how they each showed up and like especially uh doc doc Ock and the okay like sorry i'm gonna answer this question first before i before i come jump back to you because the sure. uh, the dog Ock showing up on the bridge and then that holy shit moment when he gets the the nanotech was like holy shit how is that gonna like i was literally worried and then you notice that okay let me just control it and he's like what the fuck is going on here and he has his mask yeah. off and everything like that was both scary and then went to funny like instantly. That was so well played. Yeah, I think that's something the MCU does really well in general. Um, is is they're able to balance um, the the action and the the serious moments with the comedy. Um, I find MCU does that does that extremely well. Does it way better than than maybe the standalone Sony franchises or the um, Fox universe or even DC universe, um, which which all try to pepper their stuff with humor. But I think uh, Marvel sort of found a really good formula for it um, because I think I think they they understand the storytelling technique of when to use humor. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it should be used as a as a kind of pressure relief valve. So, so you want to ramp up tension, ramp up tension, ramp up tension, really get your audience, you know, uh, to the point where they're almost jumping out of their seats in anticipation of something happening. And then you kind of swerve them with a joke or, or a, a gag. And it immediately sets your audience at ease. It's a, it's a technique you, you see used a lot in, um, in horror films, in, in well-written horror films. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's just something that, that just eases off the pressure enough on the audience but they can just settle down and then now you can coast into that next big moment. Mm -hmm. Right. And each time you're ramping it up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, if you notice, even in the climax of the film, there was a good amount of horror, uh, a good amount of comedy, sorry, not horror. Yeah. A good amount of comedy going on, especially between the three uh, Spider-Men, right. Mm -hmm. uh, their dialogue was, was fantastic. Um, well, because they so, have, have you know, kind of has just, to be with them, you know, Spider-Man's meant to be quippy and jokey and stuff like that. So all three of them have to have right. that, that funny, you know, attitude, right? Yeah, but what was cool is it was in different ways. Yeah. Right? Like each one, each one approaches the character in a completely different way. And I thought that was really cool. Um, if you contrast that, for example, with Batman, um, I think you'd have a, a much harder time pulling this off with a Batman franchise. Uh, say, for example, if you got, you know, Michael Keaton together with Christian Bale together with Ben Affleck um, and then, you know, whichever others, Val Kilmer and George Clooney, if you want to throw them in the mix as well. Mm -hmm. At their hearts, I find their Bruce Waynes are quite different as characters, but their Batman personas tend to be kind of the same note. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the the big gruff guy who's just the, kind I'm of Batman. Yeah, like, I'm Batman. Yeah, and, and it's like that's kind of it, right? That's the note. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I I don't think they would be able to pull it off as well um, had that scene been like say three Batman mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to three Spider Man. So, but you never know. Yeah. Know. Uh, well, and, well, <laughs> the, well, that's because in in. DC, it's more the Flash that does multiverse stuff than than mm -hmm. and um, 
well as the known character that does there are other characters that do but uh and he has and he has the same kind of like jokingness attitude as spider-man but still not the same like like as you just said yeah. even if we did uh grant say grant gustin and uh, ezra miller um i think that's mm -hmm. yeah that the, have done the yeah. live actions right they they could because grant because i like grant gustin as, as flash I, I like him better than ezra miller um yeah, it it could work, but again, still not the same because I think, especially like uh, Tobey Wire, he shows like how I'm glad they didn't like try to de-age him or anything like that. Like they kept him yes. that because they showed the fact that he's been doing this as, and he's still Spider Man since what 2005 or whatever, and so he shows his, his, his yeah. experience, kind of like uh, Peter B. Parker in um, Into the Spider Verse, right? Yeah, he reminded me a lot of that character actually. It was it was really interesting. Um... But but I agree. I, I I'm so glad they didn't try to de-age either one of them, and show them as guys who've been doing this for a while now, like mm -hmm. you know a really long time. And I love that even even though they both have you know the two older Spider-Men, even though they both have a, a wealth of experience under their belts, there was still a stark personality difference. Where where the Andrew Garfield one didn't come across as so self-assured as as toby mcguire's um spider-man mm -hmm. and i think the big reason for that is again it harkens back to that to that moment where where gwen dies and i think it's like they they sort of went out of their way to show that he has this this weight on his shoulders ever since that moment i think he's always trying to step out of that shadow and it was kind of neat to see that this movie was the catalyst for that happening mm -hmm. and and like you say you know I, i've seen the calls as well to say like yeah give him a third movie now and, and let's see where that character goes now um as he redeemed, redeemed himself experience. yeah yeah right right and, and so sort of like what what great heights can he accomplish now or can he reach now and that would be very cool to see mm -hmm. you know yeah um so okay so you know uh sorry going back to what was I was talking about the what was uh your initial thoughts on, on how the villains, everyone kind of showed up. I thought it was well done, um, especially with the, the sort of the mechanics of the, the, uh, the story, right? The, the, the MacGuffin being, you know, it's only these people who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man who are getting pulled into this universe. Um, I found it interesting that they only pulled in the villains. Yeah. When there are there are certain heroes and and sort of other side characters like other Aunt Mays or other um, you know uh, sort of friends or colleagues of Peter's who know his secret as well, mm -hmm. but they didn't show up. And I can understand it. It's 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 sort of like too many uh, eggs in one basket. Maybe yeah. at, at that point, right? It might dilute the story. Yeah. Um, or else you'd have but, to include like but, all the the random people on the train in the. Uh, first Spider-Man, right? Very, like that there scene, you go. right? Yeah. Well, I guess they don't yeah, get his. There, there you go. Yeah. Do they get his name? That's oh, that's probably they see him without his mask. But I don't think they see they get his name. So that's yeah, I don't why. think they actually know who he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. But um, yeah, but it's it's a, like the other MJ's, for example, the the other MJ, the Kristen Dunst character. Mm -hmm. Um, like he obviously knows who he is. Um, so you know, would it have been maybe interesting to have her? in the movie as well i don't know possibly it's like it, it becomes a matter of like you know how do you work those characters in mm -hmm. i think there was a good balance of the villains that they brought in 
Um, you know, I, I see every now and then certain uh, posts about people saying, oh, why didn't they bring in this character? Why didn't they bring in that character? And it's like, well, again, too many, right? Too many, then, yeah. It becomes a, you know, it waters down what's already there. Um, uh, so, but I, I, I liked it. I, I appreciated the fact that they actually went so far as to give certain villains a redemption arc as well, uh, especially Doc Ock. That was a really great one because he's the one that really stands out to me from the from the initial Spider-Man films. Um, you know, there are people who still say that Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie mm -hmm. and uh, and even one of the best superhero movies in general, yeah. which I agree with. I, mm -hmm. think, I think it was a fantastic, fantastic film. And I think part of what made it so amazing is the the human side to the way Alfred Molina plays Doc Ock, mm -hmm. right? He's this character, he's like a Frankenstein's monster in a lot of ways. He's a character that, you know, at once you're scared of him, but you feel sorry for him. Because mm -hmm. you understand where he's coming from and, and you see that he's he's actually a good person that's been, you know, corrupted by his own um, technology. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he's, he's, he's a monster of his own make. Yeah, he, he's technically just trying to do something for kind of like uh, like Iron Man, trying to make something that will help people grow, but he just has happens to, at least in the, you know, in, right. the, in the movies wise, the, 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 right. the power, yes. power of the sun. He kept, he kept on saying that in, in this movie all the time too, talking about the arc yeah. reactor and everything, but he essentially was trying to build that as well, right? Trying to build some sort of sustainable energy source that can, that just, you just had to have this, whatever the element what it was called that Oscorp had, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then it was literally just, the ship getting fried and like same thing with uh the with with um uh green goblin with uh auto or not auto with um uh, norman. norman thank you uh and uh like same thing it's just like it's it's almost like a superhero soldier serum but like so without the mcu-ness of it obviously where it just uh well, yeah and, and then it just kind of corrupted I, I him and yeah I, I find the two different, uh, the two characters slightly different, though, in terms of motivations, uh, in the sense that whereas whereas Otto is doing everything from a purely altruistic standpoint, um, it, it, you know, he really has this desire to do what he does out of a uh, sense of good and, and public good, and he wants to help the world. Um, I, I found that, that Norman, on the other hand, it, he uh, suffered a little bit more from the classic villain um, uh, syndrome in the sense of he gives in to his fears um, and he takes the serum prematurely because he's afraid they're going to take his company and 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 all these things. So he's he's kind of doing it more for selfish reasons than he is for for altruistic or or noble reasons. True. And I find that's what differentiates the two characters. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, you've got a guy like like the Sandman, who um, he's like this petty criminal who just wants to go home and see his kid. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like he's not a good guy, but he's not really that bad of a guy either, right? Like kind kind of like, like Scott Trump. Lang. Like, yeah, because like, exactly. yeah, yeah, Ant Man could be if you split this the the script, you could make that story into literally to negative thing because he's just he's. Like that, yeah, he he pulls like a Robin Hood of like stealing from the rich, gives to the poor type thing in in the Ant Man mm -hmm. 
movie or whatever. He's in prison and he's dirtbag. He can't get a job and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes back to criminal, yeah. criminal actions. But it's just trying to make good so he can see his daughter again. And then just it just flips it. But they, but they wrote it in a hero story. But then, yeah, Sandman, he's yeah. gets written he gets written as a villain. So it's very similar stories if you look at it that way. But it's just mm-hmm. literally how the writers want to make you feel about it. That's right. Exactly. And, and then it's, it all comes down to whose perspective are we seeing the story from, right? And I think you'd have a lot more sympathy for a character if you're seeing it through their eyes. And maybe that's why Spider-Man 2 works so well, is because we are seeing a lot of that story through Doc Ock's eyes. Mm-hmm right? And from his perspective as well. And I think that's part of what makes him such a sympathetic character. Even when he turns into a villain, we're still like, uh, I know there's a good guy somewhere under there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like almost like we're just hoping that he'll he'll emerge again. So it was great to see that actually happen in this film. And which he, which he actually doesn't at the end of Spider-Man 2. He ends up like bringing it back down on himself, type the, the bridge or whatever. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but right. yeah. Um, right. Yeah, and that's what that's what's so exactly that's what's so great about it in and um comparison to um Green Goblin. But talking about Green Goblin though, um yes. uh remind me on uh Will Willem Dafoe. Holy shit, you're talking about Andrew Garfield being a great Willem Dafoe is just he he has such the 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 face, the expressions, the everything was just like, yeah. Yeah, honestly, that's, there's no surprises there for me. I mean, Willem Dafoe is just like one of the best actors ever. Um, so, so the fact that he he's able to pull it off so amazingly is, it, to me, it's like it's not surprising. I, I've loved everything he's done pretty much ever. Um, but it's it's great to see the range that they gave him in this film. You know, it's it's like you can tell he's having fun mm-hmm. with this movie because uh, you know they 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 gave him a lot to work with. Right, um, his character is not just some one-note character. Uh, he really has some some meat to it, and it's funny. I've actually seen some calls for people saying like, "Oh, he should be nominated for Academy Award and stuff like this," you know. And I'm not like, I'm not opposed to that, you know. Just to me, it's like one of those things where it, it was hard for me to pick out a standout performance in this film because I thought there were a number of really, really strong performances. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Holland, I think does a phenomenal job um andrew garfield does a phenomenal job uh willem dafoe um even even um marissa tomei i thought did a great job you know as as that like as showing her her sympathy for these for these people and everything like that and yeah and 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 showing the like mother-like uh feeling that she has with Peter and everything th- throughout the <laughs> all of her appearances, even though they've been brief and and this has been the the longest kind of uh, time that she's been on screen, I, I, I'm pretty sure, basically. Is with yeah. yeah, I think she was she had a little bit longer. I think each movie she gets a little bit more, obviously. Um, but, <clears throat> um, like, yeah, she actually got to show a little bit stronger range than her death scene and everything like that and Definitely. sympathy and, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. literally that straight contrast of, of Tom, like, or not contrast, sorry, but uh, Tom switching right into, like, the pain of him losing someone again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the only thing that I'm still, and I, maybe it gets explained in somewhere, but I, the only thing that I'm still confused by that they still haven't elaborated is what actually happened to his Uncle Ben. 
Because, like, did Uncle Ben, is, is, is he already dead? He just didn't say the with great power line to him when he died? Or, and then they left it? Or, like, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. Like, I I was thinking about a similar thing. And it's like, I was trying to remember, is there actually an Uncle Ben referenced in the Tom Holland one? Like I, I can't I honestly can't remember only, because yeah because we we meet him when it's only him and Aunt May right so I'm not even sure if it's like there's is there a comment even in passing about it there's um, there's two things I can think of one okay. was in um uh is it Civil War when he first gets introduced no I I think um yeah I think yeah, it's Civil in Civil War, War when he first gets Civil introduced War. but yep. the there's a a piece. He says something. Uh, Peter says something about um, when you have responsibility and then the people die, you feel guilty about it or something like that. So he kind of like vaguely references oh, it. He makes right, it, okay. it doesn't actually mention by name. And then in uh, Far From Home, his briefcase has uh, um, the initials of um, Ben Parker or something like that oh, on okay. it. There's a little. Okay, there's a little. So they kind of reference that he. Yeah, either so that's either Peter's parents. I don't. Yeah, there's initials on there. Gotcha. So there has there gotcha. has been kind of like hints and whatever at it, but nothing. Yeah, yet. they didn't really go into it very much, though, did they? So I, I'm guessing it just it means that 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 Uncle Ben never actually said those words. Um, you know. Yeah. But well, at least it worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Exactly. It worked in this case. Yeah. So. No, okay. Um, we've also like this has been really good. Oh, one other thing I want to just say before I continue on to this. Um, Jamie yeah. Foxx's Electro. Jamie Foxx, like, it was so good because he had such a he had a good but weird appearance in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Like, he kind of first everyone hated the fact that he was like blue for some reason and everything. Like, I don't know why. Like, I never really. Uh, understood the Electro character when I watched Amazing Spider-Man 2, so it didn't really bother me personally. Um, but mm -hmm. in this, I do, I did like the color scheme, how they brought it in, how they kind of made, like, the arc reactor make, like, make it so that his powers changed to... No, that's not... He just randomly had yellow lightning, just for whatever reason, but then when he shows up at the, the Statue of Liberty, they actually make, like, his electricity kind of form into his kind of classic the mask, the mask yeah. shape or whatever, just to at least throw yeah. an, a yeah. nod to it. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, uh, I, I, I like this character. I, I thought it was well done. Um, I, I found he was, a, to me, it was a very different character than, than Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, just sort of a different pers personality, different persona. This one was much more sure of himself and, and, Unlike the other uh, villains in this tale, uh, I felt this one was sort of irredeemable. Like, I, even at the end of the movie, when they sort of take his powers away, you don't get the sense that he's changed for the better because of it. Mm -hmm. You get the sense that he's just like, well, I lost my powers, and I guess that's kind of it. But uh, uh, the way that they portray the character, I wouldn't put it past them to just rip that thing out of his chest and be like, okay, now I've got my powers back again, mm -hmm. right? Because um, he didn't look like he had a change of heart, whereas the other characters all did in their own way. Um, so so it's the one character that, that, you know, 
maybe if there's a third Andrew Garfield, they bring that one, that character back. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. He, he, exactly. He was good, but yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like interesting, but not the same, but if they made him the same, then he would just be too, because I think Andrew Garfield even brings it up. He's like, man, you used to be this quiet guy and and everything. And it's like, hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the thing, but um, no, so I was going to say, I, uh, there was a couple uh, going to, back to what we were talking about before, but like the jokes and stuff I wanted to bring up, the uh, mm-hmm. like references, they did the, the Spider-Man pointing each other to each other meme, the, yeah. the, I'm, the, I'm a bit of a scientist myself, like they referenced a few like memes and stuff and jokes and, and yeah. I love, and I love how um, I think uh, it was Tom McGuire, uh, Spider-Man, he was like, yeah, my best friend uh, tried to kill me, and then uh, Ned's like, "I promise I won't try to kill you. <laughs> I won't become evil." Yeah. <laughs> I know they, they had some they had some great moments like that. Um, I found the banter was great, and, and, and to be honest, there was more of it than I expected. Um, usually, like you know, with all the with all the things you hear about the film, and, and even going into it uh, with the fact that they're pulling the villains out of the original uh, universes. You know, it'd be like, well, how could they not bring the Spider-Man into it? It would just be such a wasted opportunity. Um, and I know they tried to keep it under wraps, but in a really poor way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I honestly don't know why they don't just admit these things anymore. Like, they don't have to say no. They can just say, look, just see it for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's all anybody needs to say. But um, even so, that said, uh, I think there was more to each of the Spider-Men than I expected. They weren't just simple cameos, supporting characters and cameos, yeah. right? Where they just pop in and be like, hey, I'm the original Spider-Man and I'll do one little thing and then I'll, I'm gone for the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Which is what most films would do in a situation like this. Yeah. Um, so, so it's nice that these guys actually made them an integral part of the story. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that... Um, you know, uh, Tom Holland, Peter wouldn't be able to succeed without them, mm-hmm. right? It's not just like a one one hero's journey. It's it's almost like no, no. It's going to take all three of them to do this, yeah, and, and save the world. And as you were just saying, so, each one brought something that the other one didn't have to, to yeah. the picture, right? So, and I like yeah. <laughs> like organic web shooters, <laughs> like just yeah. randomly, and, nice they came, and they keep on and. Even when they're making their plan and discussing like where they oh, what they're going to do, they're like, but like, but like, how does it work? And they're just, <laughs> just bring it up and I love that. He, I love that he doesn't want to talk about it. That was that was the best part. Like, should we just move on? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because and that that is going back call it back to like the the, the fans too because like the because mm-hmm. um, everyone's like, but but why are his organic like. What? How come he doesn't have the yeah. mechanical ones? And yeah, there were so many things of like, I don't know. Sam Raimi just made a decision. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they even they even made the joke back the other way, right? When Peter's like, you know, I am one. I am one of the Avengers, and they're like, Wow, that's so cool. Is that a band yeah. or something? You know, it's like because they don't exist in their universe. So yeah, I thought that was really clever. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yes. Um, okay, so. Obviously, as we were both just saying, this is one of the the biggest, definitely definitely the biggest of, uh, of Phase Four so far of all projects and everything, yeah. um, and probably up there with uh, with Endgame um, for like spectacle and budget and 
being holy shit crazy. But regardless of, mm-hmm. of, of that, I'm still going to try to pull your leg and do what I do, do every time. What sure. uh, Other than what we already talked about with uh, um, Electro, couple, give me a couple yeah. things that you didn't like about it. Um, that's I, that's I always the, the harder part. The, yeah, well, you know what? It, this is one of those things where, where when you have this much previous story to rely on, in this case, you've got three, uh, you know, uh, not three, let's see, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, and then uh, so. two Garfield. So five Spider-Man films, and then plus two MCU Spider-Man films, um, not to mention the all the other appearances by Spider-Man, the other films, like, God, it was like, like 10 Civil, movies. Like easily, Civil right? War, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like easily 10 films, if not more, of, of history. Uh, sort of in just this one film to, to sort of tap into for, for each of these characters. And um, you're sort of lumping that all together. So, you know, when you're doing that, I think as a, as a writer, it becomes very challenging in sometimes how do you avoid certain plot holes? How do you avoid callbacks to certain things? Like, for example, Electro, you know, th- that's a great example there where it's like, He's not the same character, really. Like, he doesn't look the same. He doesn't act the same. Yet, we all know it's Jamie Foxx, because Jamie, you know, Jamie Foxx played the same guy uh, in, in The Amazing Spider-Man. So we know it's the same character. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, he's not quite how we remember him. Um, you know, and, and, and so it be, becomes a sort of, I think balance this fine line that the that you have to walk as a this tightrope as a writer to say look we need to we need this character or this plot point to be like this uh to to craft a good story and sometimes it might go a little bit against what we've previously established um and that's okay or or in the case of say the MacGuffin of of dr strange's spell um you know there's the you know the idea of like why is it only these specific characters uh, that came through why mm-hmm. didn't other characters come through um why um you know uh or like how electro technically didn't know who andrew garfield that that he like that that was another thing that like didn't think about it when going into the movie but then you think about it afterwards it was like yeah. wait he didn't actually know he never saw him at, like so why him? That was the other big. Yeah. That was, that was the other big uh, plot hole. Thank you for for pointing that one out because he did like Electro didn't actually know that Peter Parker was Spider Man, and even in the movie he goes, "I thought you were a black guy." Yeah. And so like so that like proves he doesn't know that Peter Parker is Spider Man. So how could he be in this universe? Like how could you with know, the spell? spell yeah. It shouldn't have been able to bring him into this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, there's a plot hole, there's an obvious plot hole, mm-hmm. and, but it's one of those things like you, you just kind of got to be like, well, you know, Venom, I think is a, a, another example of that at the, the sort of end, um, because Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock has no idea who Peter Parker is or who Spider-Man is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make that very clear. So it's only Venom that knows who Peter Parker is and that he's Spider-Man. But how does Venom know this? If he's from a different universe, mm-hmm. uh, 
So it's like, you know, it, it sort of brings up these little questions, but at the end of the day, you just sort of have to be like, well, you know what, when it comes to these superhero films, I think it's getting tougher and tougher for them to craft uh, a story that's that's so airtight that you don't have any plot hole mm-hmm. because it's gone on for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, Shang-Chi, like, that's a great example of that as well, right? Like, where, where um, in crafting this idea of the Ten Rings, they they sort of retcon that entire history of the Ten Rings and make it something completely different from everything that we've seen up to this point. Yeah. And and you're like, mm, okay, like I kind of buy it, I guess, as far as the story goes, but it doesn't really make all the sense in the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised Iron Man three, like Kevin Feige and the and Disney and like I'm kind of surprised they didn't they even let that even happen like oh it's just a fake guy and then they, they even show him wearing the actual rings on his finger and everything as as the yeah and, and, um but mandarin. like Ma- mandarin but like yeah that, yeah that was the whole thing and then and then even uh another like thing with going back to to the 10 rings there it's like um they mentioned that he had these rings for for centuries or whatever back in the middle ages or whatever uh yeah. for these have these mystical powers but yet in the sanctum sanctorum and everywhere where they keep an eye on magical relics and stuff like that they had never heard of it it's there's no yeah, no, there's the no, end, no history like, uh, I, I know at the end that that part made no sense yeah how they're like analyzing them they're like i've never seen it or heard any of this like how do you not know this like isn't it isn't this your job yeah literally to know about everything like this on planet earth but right so yeah that's a that's an excellent point yeah. So, so it's bound to happen. Yeah. Ex- ex- exactly. So, um, no. Yeah. So it, regardless, it it was a, definitely a crazy good movie. There was a lot of like holy shit, like yes moments, of, like and like and even callbacks, kind of even subtle callbacks to to previous movies without it even being that big. Like some something simple, like MJ still wearing her black Dahlia necklace. Like she still mm-hmm. wears it broken, even though she doesn't know who Peter even is by the end. Or at the end, how it like he has Ned's little uh, uh, Palpatine Lego guy or whatever, and like he goes into an apartment, and I remember thinking when Peter's in his apartment by himself, I'm just like Rand <laughs> from uh, from Spider Man uh, uh, two, three. I don't remember which one. Yeah, it yeah. And it's like it's just well, the little things. It's like the little jokes. It's funny though, like now that you mention that all that stuff, it's like there's some huge plot holes there at the very end uh with with the world forgetting you know that peter is spider-man it's like the the, there's some things that happen that really don't make any sense if you think about it uh in the sense of like just because people forget that peter is spider-man doesn't mean they should forget peter and yet the world forgets peter parker Mm -hmm. so like mj has no idea who he is ned has no idea who he is it's like has he vanished from like the school records? Is he not no longer in the yearbook? I, there were all these videos of him like around, you know, all this time. It's like, yeah, I understand people forgot, but you know, did Doctor Strange scrub the world of Peter's existence? See, I think you know? I think if I remember correctly, he changed the spell slightly at the end of the movie compared to the one at the beginning, because at the at the beginning it was. But like make everyone forget that uh Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Where this one, I think it was everyone forget that who Peter Parker is as a person. So that's where they change it. So exactly it's like they could have just kept it as 
change it as forget that Peter Parker is Spider Man, but they I think they did that in a way to kind of um kind of reboot okay. almost reboot the like quote unquote re, like a soft reboot so they can continue on with the character. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's just it's just one of those things like you know I've seen it pointed out where where people said like okay but does that mean like all the newspapers and and TVs you know shows and 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 all the media all the computer files everything that has Peter His Parker school, yeah know, and Spider Man like everything's all gone now yeah. right all that information is gone and so it didn't really explain that and it's it's just one of those things where you're like do you know what. My theory, I know that I'm yeah. just, I just randomly thinking of this right now. You, do you remember in the, I think it's the sixth or seventh Harry Potter movie, uh, Hermione mm -hmm. does a spell where she makes her muggle parents, her human parents, forget her. And it even shows, yeah. and then it shows in, the, in that movie, it shows like pictures of, her, uh, of uh, her and her family, like she fades away from like pictures and stuff like that. So this yeah. that could be a similar thing in this where whereas it's it could be obviously it's completely different universes but it could be a similar thing as where where it, literally it this spell be. literally like erases videos it deletes pictures it like some uh, somehow gets rid of media like st all of the uh, like memories of like uh, Endgame when um, when Peter when well because they remember like it say that they war remember the, they remember Spider Man but they don't know who Peter Parker is because the right. or like in Infinity War when he first meets Doctor Strange, he's like, Oh, what's you're you're using our uh, made up name? I'm Spider Man. Like he he understood himself as Peter Parker first. So Doctor right. Strange right. would only remember the Spider Man name. Like yeah, there yeah. it just erases. And it would have been cool if they it would have been cool if they just shown something like that happening, you know, yeah. as the spell is going. If if we could have seen that like you know in a very simple way if MJ had a phone on her or something with a picture of her and, and Peter together on the screen, and then we see his picture fade away and mm -hmm. it's just her left on the screen, it, that would have been right there. We would have seen in one mm -hmm. very quick, easy way um, what's happening and that how the world is forgetting him. Yeah, exactly. And it wouldn't have been hard for them to do it. It would have taken an extra just moment. It would have no. been... Similar as like exactly. the characters being dusted away in Endgame or Infinity War, exactly. it would yeah. just be literally yeah, yeah. It would have taken just something as that that simple, you know. I think it's um, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like because there's so many moving pieces, um, you know, when you're putting together a movie of this scale, um, I think things are just bound to fall between the cracks, um, and I think sometimes all it takes is is sort of fresh eyes on something to sort of point out a lot of these things. Hmm. Um, but, you know, and then things sometimes get filmed and then they get lost in the editing process because of the, you know, time constraints or, or budget or whatever. Hmm. So, so I, I, cause I've seen that happen before in films where, where um, maybe there's a, there's a plot hole and it's explained completely in a deleted scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. like like uh, the first so, Avengers movie where there's the the random the random waitress who's like important, like why she's important yeah. to seeing his face, and then it's like, oh, they they deleted scene of where Cap has dinner at her restaurant or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it totally makes sense why she's suddenly an important figure. Yeah. yeah, whereas the way the movie plays out, you're like, I don't understand. Like, what's mm -hmm. what's the significance here? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, last uh, last little remarks on uh, on Spider Man here. Anything to talk about, and then before we can jump into a few other things. Um, I just found it overall a, a really solid film, and I think part of the reason is um, fan base. Well, the fan base for one, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, people people love. Um, you know, people love the Spider-Man franchise, and they love each of the actors um, who've done the film. Some have more fans than others, but the fact that you're able able to have them all in the same film now you've sort of expanded that fan base to each of those fan bases to to suddenly want to come together, right? Um, so I think it was a brilliant marketing uh, from a marketing standpoint. But but also I found the story itself was really really well done uh they they crafted a very vulnerable flawed hero in peter uh especially this time around i found um you know he's always been the the kid who wasn't sure of himself and his place in the world and and uh whether or not he could live up to the legacy left to him by by iron man um and it sort of really came to a head in this film and the fact that they they gave him some serious flaws. It wasn't like, um, you know, uh, something superficial or, or something that he could overcome just like that. Um, there were there were some some real inner demons uh, that he had to overcome, and and even the other Spider-Man too, which was really kind of cool to see. You know, the fact that each of them kind of had something they needed to overcome in this. Um, and it was by working together that they did so. And with with Tom Holland's Peter in particular, one thing that this movie did so well versus Shang-Chi, versus Captain Marvel, versus arguably Black Widow, um, there's, a, there's a host of recent Marvel films where I find the characters are very Mary Sue-ish. They're 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 perfect for lack of a better word. They really have no flaws. They have nothing to overcome. Shang Chi was a very frustrating watch for me. I really wanted to like the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like the actor who portrayed him. I found him to be very charismatic uh, and likable. I, I liked Aquafina. I really liked her character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought she was a great comic relief. Um, but but at heart, my problem with with Shang-Chi, the character, was the guy was perfect. He had no flaws. Like, he had nothing he needed to overcome. The first time we meet him on the bus when these guys, bad guys are trying to kill him, he, he's a, here's a guy who's lived as a bus boy, or, or not a bus boy, a valet, no, parking right. valet, yeah. um, for the last, what, 10 years of his life, 20 years? I can't remember how old, how long he's been in hiding for. If it's 10 or 20 I think, years. I think it was like 10 years, uh, yeah. Ten years. Okay, so ten years. He's he's never lifted a finger against anybody. These guys show up. He kicks the crap out of them like that. Like I mean, there was like no no he, struggle, no struggle at all. And he just sort of moved, uh, you know, on to the next bigger boss, bigger boss, bigger boss. The only time he felt he he has any trouble is with the two women in his life, one being his sister, one being his aunt, who are you know, and they and and there you feel like he's just holding back. And that's really the only reason why he's kind of um, fighting to a standstill with them. It's not because he's actually going to lose those fights. It's more like, oh, you know, I'm not really 
not trying putting it all out there yeah and and then when the big conflict comes at the end he beats that monster like without any trouble whatsoever With, and he has, doesn't have to sacrifice anything yeah and that was the thing that really got to me there was zero sacrifice required on his part contrast that with spider-man spider-man here's a guy who who in the course of this film his aunt is sacrificed the person he loves the most in the world right and then his his uh friendship is sacrificed with with the people he loves and then even the love of his life um his relationship with her is sacrificed he severs every single relationship in the world just so he can save the world mm -hmm. talk about high stakes shang chi had nothing like that captain marvel had nothing like that um you know uh, that and that to me that's sort of endemic of of a lot of the phase four um films is the fact that they they sort of introduce these characters that really have nothing to aspire to because they're already so great and so perfect um you know arguably one could say that the black panther didn't do that that it actually did the more classic hero's journey which and, and that's one of the reasons why i think black panther is a superior film yeah. to those ones because because um like peter in this film uh t'challa had um flaws to overcome and he had failures mm -hmm. like they he actually lost a couple of times mm -hmm. right um and to me that's what makes a great hero is the fact that you have to lose to win mm -hmm. uh so when you have a character like shang chi or captain marvel who never loses yeah captain marvel is just a big beat stick that just like somehow is yeah. more powerful than same thing even same thing with like wanda it's like and, th and yeah. that's that's the thing and i think yeah. using captain marvel and wanda for example uh and I think they're making those two characters so perfect because for the quote-unquote representation, right? For women, right? Because every hero, every major hero, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Superman, whomever, uh, is, is a man. So they're and so they're trying to make them even even better than what they would actually be. Because for I, I yeah. Get that. Yeah, I, I get all of that. that. Yeah. I understand the whole. I understand the whole argument is is that you can't show flaws because by showing flaws, it's somehow sexist or racist or or what have you. But that's not human. Mm -hmm. Humanity means having flaws. Uh, the best female heroes that I've grown up with uh, were were you know Sigourney. Courtney Weaver in Aliens, or Linda Hamilton in Terminator and Terminator 2. Um, these, these were women who were flawed. They had weaknesses. They had self-doubt. They had inner demons. They had um, obstacles, both inside and out, that they had to overcome. Mm -hmm. And by the end of their struggles, they do. And it makes their journey so much more memorable and so much more heroic and makes them as, as um, uh, female um, icons that much more, mm -hmm. uh, that much more so to me, those are in, the in, female heroes yeah. that, that we, that we should show, you know, young girls today and aspire to and say like, look, this is, this is what a female hero looks like in a movie, mm -hmm. you know? But if you show them somebody who's perfect, who never fails and never has to really even try at anything, uh, what lesson does that teach 
anybody, like let alone girls, but boys as well, like any kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if everything's just given to you, if you're just good at everything your first time around and you don't even have to try, um, I think you're doing a great disservice because then a lot of kids will grow up uh, with an entitlement um, fixation, uh, basically saying, well, well, my hero doesn't have to try, so why should I have to try, mm-hmm. right? So it's, um, it's either – sorry, it's, it's either that or – so that that's the, the um, uh, – Captain Marvel thing, she just beats, beat the, she, she just wins, there's nothing wrong. Or on the opposite side, um, Scarlet Witch, she's literally just, oh, I'm here doing this because, like, like, look at the WandaVision show, she's doing all this for grief or just because to get for, like, a man, quote-unquote, I know Vision's not technically human, but, like, like, um, for love interest of someone else like it's not for her own there, there's no uh empowerment of herself being a flawed person it's literally just oh my person my person mm-hmm. died that's why all this is happening like right yeah it, it's it's you know i think i think a lot of it comes from fear um and by that i mean fear of the of the people making these films i think they're just scared they're scared of of off the um, certain certain groups in our society, they're they're afraid if they don't placate to them and give them exactly what they're calling for, um, that that you know, uh, then they'll be they'll be I don't know canceled or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, sort of pushed aside and said like, okay, if you're not giving us what we want, we're gonna get it from this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, you know the at the end of the day, what the, the thing that suffers is the story. It, it, you're making a weaker story. You're making weaker characters uh, overall. Um, you know, give me a story where a hero has flaws and and um, inner demons to overcome, and I guarantee you that's a story that will always resonate with people, and that will always be ten times more powerful than than the story where where a hero has nothing to overcome. Okay. I mean. You know, you look at the ultimate Mary Sue in, in comics, that's Superman. I was just going to say, yeah, Superman, you know? that's why people find him boring, because there's nothing to relate to, and other than... They do. Yeah. There, there's... They do, but, but but the interesting thing with Superman... Sorry, let me just... just if I can just oh, finish sorry. my thought. Yeah, sorry. The interesting thing with, with, with Superman is, is he was so perfect when they first created him, because the whole idea is he's a Superman. He's supposed to be beyond... Um, humanity it's almost like uh he's something he's this godlike creature that that we somehow aspire to um but then like you say he he became this one note um character in that well he has no weaknesses that that as a spectacle is only entertaining for so long mm-hmm. right because because you're like well if nothing hurts him and he's got no weaknesses then then why am I invested in this at all, right? So that's why they invented kryptonite, um, was to give him a weakness, give him something that the bad guys could use to defeat him. The problem was that kryptonite was only an external weakness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nothing to do with his, in, uh, you know, his inner character. As far as his inner character goes, Superman doesn't really have any demons. He doesn't really have anything to overcome other than the fact that he's an alien living among us and he's trying desperately to be human. 
um, and he never really can be. He's always he's always holding back, um, and I think it, it's like that as a flaw is a very minor flaw, right? Like the idea that you're too powerful and you're always trying to just dial down your power. Mm -hmm. And in a way, they did that with Captain Marvel. Um, but the problem, I think, with Captain Marvel is that character doesn't have the fan base and the history that Superman does. Mm -hmm. So Superman, I think people are willing to sort of overlook a lot of this because the, of the character's history. Um, if you look at the superpowered heroes that come out now who are on his level, your, your uh, Omni-Man in, in uh, Invincible, Invincible himself, mm -hmm. um, Homelander, uh, Homelander boys, yeah. Yeah. every one of them is so flawed. Mm -hmm. Like Superman seems like a, an absolute saint compared to any of these guys, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the writers know after all this, you know, um, all this time that you can't just introduce a, a perfect character. No, if you're going to introduce somebody who's so super powered, they better have some internal flaws to counteract um, all these external powers that mm -hmm. they have. Mm -hmm. So then that's something I think that Captain Marvel's missing, um, especially Captain Marvel, because they've, they've set her up to be like the most powerful hero uh, and, and to a lesser extent, Wanda, um, they're missing that internal struggle, you know. At least Wanda, I think, I think they showed an internal struggle with her, uh, more so than than Captain Marvel did. Mm -hmm. um, at least she was trying. Well, she's to, going through like to... the loss of like of like her brother in uh, Age of Ultron, yeah. and, and and then going through the loss of, of her being the one having to actually kill Vision initially, and then yeah. like so she does feel loss and grief. And trying to literally in Civil War when she literally accidentally kills how like say ten people or whatever in uh Wakanda or not Wakanda in um where, wherever they were in that movie Sokovia, and Sokovia yeah. thank you and then yeah. and so she does feel grief she does still feel a lot of she does have that emotional human uh, response still too totally I I think I think um one of the things with Wanda that, that I think sets her apart from, from um, or, or one of the, I should say, one of the mistakes they made with Wanda Vision, um, they gave her internal flaws to try to counter the external power that she has in the sense of through her grief, she's trying to rewrite the world essentially and create this happy place for herself. Um, and, and it's sort of like a coping mechanism, right, for, for all the pain that she's in. And what was interesting was I felt as a motivation for a character, I felt it was a really strong one. The problem I felt was by the end, you realize she's actually the villain of the tale because she's doing everything from a selfish standpoint she's doing it to heal herself and yet the show went out of its way to excuse the behavior and say oh it's okay they'll never understand what you went through and it's like are you kidding me she just enslaved an entire town and rewrote people's minds like it's like she literally mind raped this entire town and and 
it's like, but because she's going through pain, it's somehow okay. Um, and it's not. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. And and yet the show never actually explicitly said that what she did was was flat out wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to touch on yeah, that a little that was, bit in uh, in Multiverse of Madness, considering they do reference that in, the, tra so. in the trailer. I think they... Because, so. yeah, they, they do, I think, but hopefully it's not just a little bit of a, oh, yeah, no, it was fine. But, like, hopefully they go through that a little yeah. bit because she even she even says, uh, like, I'm not here to, no, uh, uh, Doctor Strange goes in the trailer, he's like, I'm not here to talk about Westview or whatever. And so it looks like they're just going to blow over this whole thing. Yeah, and I, I think that's a missed opportunity if that's the case. Um, because it's, 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 you know... Kind of analogous to being like okay you, you just committed uh all these crimes um and again out of a sense of bettering yourself or wanting to better yourself um but does that excuse the fact that you did these crimes and should that go um you know unpunished should it go unchallenged uh, should you have to pay a price for hurting all these people and, and to me it's like i think there should be some something that some consequence more than just like oh i'm just gonna go you know live in the mountains because away yeah. from everybody that's yeah like, that's not so, well, well yeah considering they did show in civil war that they can there is something that can dampen her powers granted her powers are a lot mm -hmm. stronger now compared to in civil war when she was in, uh not introduced but when she was not you know not as strong but like she had the the collar on in when she was in the the raft in civil war, so they could technically imprison her for for what she did. It would be difficult to to get to her to do that. That would be an interesting maybe uh, like a yeah. Marvel short or something like that to try to you know mm -hmm. to try to tie it in or something. But um, on how something I, like I that know. would to, happen to me, it's like it, well, I think that sort of it comes down to the that idea of like what makes a hero again. To me, if if someone was truly heroic, then they would they would take um, they they would be they would hold themselves accountable mm -hmm. for their actions. Uh, they would say, "Look, I what I did was wrong." At some point, they would realize that what they're doing is wrong, and they would own up to it. And they would say, "Like you know, what I did was wrong, and it's and and I need to pay the consequences for it, whatever that is." Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, if it's like imagine if that show had ended with her giving herself up and saying like you know put this collar on me depower me um you know uh what i need to pay for what i've done it's like ooh, that's suddenly that's a character that's showing remorse that's a character that that, that realizes what they did was wrong uh and is trying to atone for it um i didn't get a sense of any of that from from the way that show ended she just said basically don't you even think about following me? I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. That's like, okay, that's not a character that's sorry for what they did. No, at all. It's it's that's a character that's just like you know, moving on. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, uh, like like I said, maybe they'll elaborate it more in uh, Multiverse of Madness in May, mm -hmm. I think, when that comes out. But you never know, right? Uh, but yeah. but no, I think you have a good point. I don't think uh, I don't think it will go into and it will. It, nothing probably will happen it will just be a uh like an fu to her character and just be like okay well this happened and then like that they did it to kind of show a whole new style of the show like the whole show in general is okay but like as a per person as a character 
she just changed mm-hmm. so much, just like what you were saying with the, with the Electro. Like, she's a completely different person, and they're just gonna say, okay, yeah, that's just who she is now, and not even do... Yeah. The, and, yeah, and, and kind of just flip that, that over that. Be. Yeah. Yep. Um, before we kind of, like, throw things off here, I know we were on a bit of a tangent there, but um, we'll go to some uh, in general. Uh, just to quickly here, I know we were just talking about WandaVision, and you were talking about um, Captain Marvel, which was not last year, but out of all, like, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, uh, What If, um, Hawkeye, all the Disney Plus shows... Um, what would you say was the best uh, developed in that same way of characters that show who they are, um, th- their flaws, their people, their decision making, and as and do you think um, with the, what they learned from their each individual show, will it actually pr- continue on into the future? Um, I'll preface it by saying um, I'm only one episode in Hawkeye. I've been playing catch up. Um, yeah, I just I've, I've, there's so many other shows and, and and things I had on my sort of to watch list mm-hmm. that I've been getting through that I'm I'm literally just one episode in. Fair enough. Um, there's so, a lot so of shows. I can't really, I, yeah, so I can't really speak to that show yet. Um, but as for the other ones, um, I think each of them had their strengths. Each of them had their weaknesses. Um, I liked What If as a concept. I thought it was a great one. Uh, I found some stories stronger than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, but what I did like was how they brought all of the stories together um, towards the end. Uh, I really like that. Um, and and they, I think they left enough sort of um, open avenues in that what if world um, that they could pick it up easily for like a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of continuations of some of those stories, like the one, for example, that sticks in my head is the the, um, uh, isn't it? It's Peter Parker, isn't it? Who who takes Doctor Strange's cloak? Yeah, in the, in the zombie, zombie episode. Universe. Yeah, yeah, and we never really see what happens with that storyline uh, beyond that that endpoint. Uh, and even though that they, they they revisit the the zombie universe. Uh, as part of the grand finale, we never see that that character again, mm-hmm. or, or uh, where that storyline leads. So it leaves me sort of hopeful that they will revisit some of these um, branched off stories. Um, uh, I thought Loki was was a decent uh, show. I, I I always love um, Tom Hiddleston. I think he's amazing. Um, I love his portrayal of Loki. It's one of my favorite characters. Um, that said, I found this one to be a much, um, weaker version of Loki. Uh, and I don't mean that in the sense of like depowered. I mean that in the sense of, uh, I found the, the Loki previously to be a much more, um, capable, much smarter, um, much, uh, much more assertive. This one tend, uh, came across as much, I don't know, dumber somehow. Um, like he needed to be led by the hand. He couldn't figure out a lot of the stuff for himself. Mm-hmm. There were times where I thought for sure he knows what's going on, but he's not letting it on. And then it turned out, no, he actually had no idea what was going on. And, and you know, he had to have the, show, the, the truth revealed. And it just 
to me, it's it, it went against the character, a character that's been around for like thousands of years, mm-hmm. um, whose whose entire um, existence is about deceiving people and and uncovering truth from lie, mm-hmm. and that he can't tell what's true and what's not. Um, that just sort of rang hollow. Um, but that said, I loved the the planet of Loki's. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, all the different Loki's. Uh, I thought that was so well done. I like, um, I like especially. Oh, sorry. sorry I was just gonna say I liked uh, the the development of of Sylvie and giving her a whole like personality as still being a Loki, but having mm-hmm. her own life and and how she's kind of like a Lady Loki from the comics, but kind of kind of not like slash lady sif like she's kind of an amalgamation of two low-key characters or whatever basically for sure and and, and yeah. i like she was definitely the and i think a lot of people would agree that she was more of a standout of, of the show which i think the disney they, i think they were trying to kind of push her towards being the more of the main character than tom hiddleston almost yeah definitely like and I think that, but it's it's at once, um, you know, uh, I think one of the big criticisms that I've seen of Loki is the fact that he really almost became a supporting character in his own show. Yes, I remember you saying you that know? when we talked um, about it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 which is, I think, a valid point. You know, um, if 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 the show is going to be about you know about you. And this is one of the criticisms I've heard about Hawkeye as well. And again, I can't speak to it because I've watched it, but I've heard this criticism: is that he, that Hawkeye himself, is a, a supporting character in his own show. Mm-hmm. So I'm eager to see if that's actually the case. Um, episode one um, is definitely more geared towards Kate Bishop's character than it is Hawkeye's, but I understand it because. Um, we already know so much of his backstory, whereas we know nothing of hers. So I, it makes sense to me that you want to set up more of her character than his. Um, but I'm curious to see, you know, is there a balance between the two or is it going to be kind of heavy towards one character or the other? Um, so. <laughs> okay. Mm. I guess that answers my question. Uh... No, well, no. Without without going to spoiler spoilers for you or anything for you, it's it's. I think it is a pretty good uh, pretty good balance between continuing um, Hawkeye's story and uh, and introducing Kate Bishop. It's a pretty pretty good uh, balance because then, like like I was saying earlier, um, they're doing a lot of things where they're introducing new characters so they can continue on the stories. So they have to have mm-hmm. a good balance of of uh, um, Hawkeye, Clint, and to introduce, but to still grow her as a person. So I think it's a, it's a pretty good balance. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that in the comics she becomes Hawkeye. So it's like, it's clear to me that that's what she's destined to become in this show. Um, so, so I get the idea that why there's a, a you know, a split, a focus of attention on one and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I, I do have to admit though, I found, uh, the pilot interesting in the sense that that a lot of stuff happens in the show that just comes across as like it only happens because the story needs it to happen to keep progressing as opposed to um, like it's more coincidence or convenience um, rather than actually being driven by something concrete 
um, as an example of that, uh, the fact that she sort of stumbles on this Ronin suit that Clint wore, um, and it's like totally by accident. And then um, she puts it on, but there's no real reason for her to put it on. And then once she puts it on, she keeps it on, which is like really weird, especially because there's like an entire mafia after her and she's just a teenage girl. And there's literally no reason for her to keep wearing this outfit, especially out in public. Mm -hmm. And yet she does. And then she breaks into some old man's house simply because the story needs her to do so mm -hmm. to discover him dead. Um, it, it's like just a number of things happen just so that it forces Clint out of retirement to confront her in the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, I thought they could have done it in a more clever way uh, rather than being so kind of heavy handed about it and, and being like, okay, we just need to get to this point by the end of the episode. So what pieces can we put together? What dominoes can we have fall for that to happen? And yet sort of ignoring that, that big question, which I think every writer needs at all times to pose. And that is the question, why? Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Why is this character doing the things that they're doing? Why are they making the decisions that they're making? Why are they continuing down the path that they're going? And I, I, I find um, lots of times, um, you know, in, in, in modern theater, whether that's TV, whether that's film, um, that question sort of becomes a, a secondary question. Um, whereas I, I try to approach it as a writer in the sense of like, I need to keep coming back to that question and I need to keep asking myself of my characters that question. And I think that only strengthens your story. And I'm not perfect at it, far from it. But I think if, if you're gonna do a, a, a justice to your story, you need to keep going back to it. And if anything doesn't make sense, if anything makes you question it, like I just did, then, then you, you're saying you need to say to yourself, okay, it's not there yet. Mm -hmm. It needs work. But that, but that's the difference I think between uh, an independent writer like yourself compared to someone who has a group of a team like Disney that has a group of writers where they have to do it, they have to get this point, they have to do that. They, yep. you know, producers breathing down their neck. Okay, we'll have to do this. We have to film now. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the shitty thing though is that. I, I agree. I, I agree with you 100%. If you have the the time to do it and, and try to elaborate and and build your person, your character as much as possible, and and your story to get them forward. Granted, I'm not even close to a writer in, in any way, shape, or form. But but, but you know, no, I, but I, you I, make a really good point. Yeah, but when you that, have, I, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, and I think I think what it requires on a when you're talking about like I understand it, and I agree with you 1,000 percent. Uh, I understand the challenges of it. Um, I've worked with other writers before. I've worked uh, uh, on films, you know, where you've got like, uh, I've got other writers involved. I've got uh, a director involved who wants certain things. I've got uh, maybe sometimes there's producers who want certain things. Uh, maybe the actors themselves want certain things. And so it becomes this balancing act, um, especially if you're part of a writer's group. Uh, that's a, that's, a whole unique set of challenges, right? Because, uh, you know, egos come into play, uh, different viewpoints come into play. Um, 
sometimes things make sense in your own head um, and and maybe you know other people aren't seeing it quite the same way you are and so that making maybe will cause uh, friction and things like this so I, I get it I, I get it. it's very push and pull right give and take um, and I think maybe the way to get around that is that there's one person who is invested like really invested in the product who will st sit there and be like I'm going to ask the why questions and you guys need to answer them. Mm. Uh, as an example, I'll give you an example. Um, so Sons of Anarchy, right? You had Kurt Sutter. Uh, he was the creator showrunner. He was the guy. So he ran the, the writer's room and, and he wanted to make sure that the writing was so good that, that like, you know what, guys, I'm going to keep asking that question. Another great example would be The Witcher. You've got Henry Cavill. He's such a fanboy, right? That that he himself mm -hmm. asks this question. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, the actors will be like, "Okay, you know, you guys know the story better than I do, so I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll do what's required of me as the actor." Um, whereas he comes from it from the standpoint of, "Look, I know this material insanely well, mm -hmm. right? Because I play these games, I love these games, I read the books, I know the material, right? Um, so, so." I'm going to pose those questions to you. So you guys better have an airtight answer for me uh, when it comes to this script. And and to me, that like The Witcher is such a fantastic show. I, that was one of the shows that was on my watch list. Yeah, I haven't I started the next season yet. Oh my God, it's so good. Like, I I love that show. Mm. That's a really well-written show. <laughs> well, I watched the, the first season and... It's hard for me. It's kind of hard to follow because I don't know the games and and story of it and everything. So I think neither did I. Neither yeah. did, I never played the games. I never. Um, I I know I knew nothing of the story. But you know, I was like, oh, Henry Cavill's in it. He's Superman, so I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So I gave it a chance. Yeah, uh, and I thought it was really cool. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I that's I liked shows like uh, like Game of Thrones or like Vikings. Like I like the period piece style shows anyway. And I, yeah, I like Henry. Mm -hmm. I like Henry Cavill's Superman. So I was like, yeah, sure, same thing. I might as well, yeah. uh, might as well at least uh, watch it and then see where it goes. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's on my list. I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, watched it yet either. The the, the next. I think you'll like it. You'll, I think you'll enjoy it. It is is really well done. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Um. So you have you. Um. One vision. Uh, so Captain and Captain America: Winter Soldier. Um, yep. what about the, the character of, uh, like John Walker, um, um, uh, you know, all, all the character development and how, cause that show we do know for a fact, and I think we already discussed this a little bit. We do know that COVID definitely pulled a lot of, uh, issues for that show, um, like mm -hmm. plot wise, story wise and stuff like that. But, um, what was your kind of like overall take of, of, of that and how they kind of finished that one off? Um, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it, it definitely had strengths and weaknesses. Um, for me, the, it was interesting. I, I found myself gravitating more towards some of the supporting characters in that show than the main characters. Um, I think there was more they could have done with, with Sam uh, and Bucky. Um, I think there were some missed opportunities. 
Um, I felt it was a little preachy at times um, and, and sort of diminished Sam's uh, position as one of the Avengers. It was like, like the idea to me, like it just rang so hollow, the idea that Sam, uh, who is literally an Avenger who saved the world, is going to get rejected for a bank loan. That to me, like really, mm. like you're going to reject like one of the people who saved the universe. Um, he's probably like one of the most famous people on the planet. This mm -hmm. would be like, I, I can't even draw an equivalence to this because there isn't one. It's only like, you think to yourself, like, uh, you know, if, if Neil Armstrong walked into a bank after landing on the moon and said, you know, I need a loan. And they'd be like, ah, oh, you know, your credits, it's okay, but I'm afraid we can't. Like, really? Mm -hmm. There's no way. Mm -hmm. There's just no way that this person gets rejected for a bank loan. And, and to me, it was like, again, it's one of those things where it's it's like it happened because they needed it to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, rather than yeah. having like a logical explanation for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I loved Baron Zemo. I thought Zemo was, for me, the highlight of that show. He was so fantastic. Um, I love the, the the addition of the Dora Milaje mm -hmm. uh, in it. I mm -hmm. thought it was unexpected. I didn't expect the you know the Black Panther stuff to be in that show, and the fact that it was, I thought, was super cool. Uh, and I love the way they portrayed them. Um, um, so that was nice to see. Uh, let me see, uh, Bucky. I thought I like I liked where they were going with him. I felt they could have done more. Um, I felt he weakened as well, um, but just like, I mean, physically weakened, mm. uh, which was interesting. Cause like, here's a guy who went toe to toe with Captain America and, and almost won, right? He was like literally beating him to death mm -hmm. at the end of, of, of Winter Soldier. Uh, and he only stops because, because, Captain America gets in his head, essentially, right? And and, and makes him change his mind. Um, so, and yet in this, in the TV show, he doesn't seem nearly as powerful or as strong. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's like, if they're going to, if they're retconning it in the sense of like, they're saying maybe the super serum is wearing off because it's been all these years mm -hmm. or, or is it because they just need him to be less powerful for the story to occur? I'm not sure but it just felt like he was kind of like a shadow of the, the character that he was, the, mm -hmm. the kick-ass character that he was. And there's, there's moments, which it, it, that was kind of frustrating for me, is like there's these little moments where you get that character, and then they just kind of like, no, no, okay, we're going to go back to you being kind of like a regular Joe. I, I, would, I would think with something like that, it probably has to do more with the fact that when we're first introduced to him uh, in Winter Soldier, he's like so blank minded he has no emotions or anything like that so his he has no um nothing emotionally no, holding him back that's why he's able to go so toe-to-toe -to -toe with cap right where in, in this he's because of now what have he, he's experienced through endgame and and all the other like movies and everything that he's been in and being in wakanda for however many years without being uh having his arm or anything like that and being more human and being so um uh like down to earth and actually trying to become a re regular person to society i think that's the reason why 
he's not as physically strong. Like, I think his strength is still there. It's just he's more choosing not to use it, I would say, based on, because of the fact that he is trying to become more human, so he doesn't want to just straight up be into someone and kill them. He's trying to decommission someone, for example, instead of actually... Because the whole idea of this of that show had to do with the the serum and how it affects other people and how it was making I think her name was Carly or something like that the main character a girl yeah, uh, um, yeah. and how it was like training uh, like making her her like her ambition of like wanting to bring back the people that blipped and everything like that making that such a strong thing and going even more extreme is what it has happened with any Russian version of this uh, serum has proven um where is this where he he has that version like the russian version or whatever where he's trying to he, like, yeah he's taking to atone for his sins of killing random people so it's not the physical strength it's just he's emotionally not trying to be that evil of a person i i i buy that only so much i have to say um and the reason is um because you know Apples to apples, uh, you know, physically, physical strength wise, he is so much more powerful than Sam is. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam really just relies more on on natural ability than anything else, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's got those wings that help him fly. He's got the shield, um, but really, he's just a regular guy. At the end of the day, he doesn't have any super serum flowing through his veins. Um, uh, He's got nothing that sort of makes him a, a, a you know, meta-human or superhuman or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, like some of these other heroes. Bucky does. Um, so it just kind of rang hollow for me when they're taking on some of these Flag Smashers or la- later on when they're taking on John Walker even himself, um, where, where Bucky's not pulling his punches, yet his hits are having about as much about the same effect as Sam's punches. Mm, fair enough. On the bad guys. And, and that, that's where it's like, okay, like, I, so I, I, I buy your argument to a point, but then it comes to this point where it's like, okay, but then when he unleashes, there should be like a, a stark difference mm-hmm. between these two guys. And there isn't. Like, to me, it was like they were about the same level. Um, and, and it was like, yeah, no, I don't buy that. Mm. Like, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be in that case. Yeah, no, so. yeah, it makes sense. Um, the yeah, that kind of yeah, th- that's something also that I I thought about when first watching Infinity War too, because in uh, in Infinity War when they're fighting in Wakanda, you see Captain America and Black Panther. They're both running like first right up the gate, but you don't see him right next to them as well because he should be. Uh, granted, his serum is a little bit weaker than Cap's is technically, but still he. Sh- Say Black Panther and Cap are here, he should still be like here. Like still oh, should he? he should yeah. be like 85-90% as strong, you know, you know, yeah. as them, but he's exactly, yeah, he's not he's still a super super soldier, but right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely right. You're you're exactly right. Because they do establish that in Winter Soldier and in Civil War, that he's he's pretty much right on their level, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got Black Panther fighting with him, and he's holding his own against him. You've got Captain America fighting against him. He's holding his own against him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he's right up there with them. Um, so yeah, like, to me, it's like, it kind of they, they kind of scaled back 
mm-hmm. his level of ability and powers uh, for the sake of the show and and. But I th- yeah, I, I think you I, I think you might be right because in uh, um, Black Widow, the Red Guardian has the super soldier serum as well, and he's clearly not as strong when uh, as either Cap or any other uh, soldier has ever been. He he has issues yeah. doing basic superhero things of like lifting a car for example which should be easy and he like struggles with it so i think you have a good point where they throw time the any of the that version it probably just starts to dilute maybe and i mean just, that would be an explanation it's just but just they never offer it as one yeah right it's, it's one of those things where kind of like the peter parker thing we were talking about earlier that with the photos um you know it's like a throwaway throwaway line it's like it's like such a small bit of information that you can give the audience um, that that then just makes you go, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and the only way you get those is, is, again, asking those why questions throughout the process. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, makes sense. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Well, I think this was definitely really fun. I liked uh, talking about uh, Spider-Man and everything with you and the, yeah. the little, little rants. Uh uh, I, I did want to go into other things, but we can go into stuff a little bit later uh, into a different thing. But sure. That's um, let's just go into a, a a little random question that has nothing to do with Marvel. What was your your favorite non superhero film of twenty twenty one? I gotta think. What what are the films that came out this year? Oh my god! Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I only say that because it's such a, it's been, it was such a weird year, right? Like there were some films I saw in the theaters, but then there was like so much content that I watched online. And it's like, I'm just trying to think of like, of those, which were films that were even made this year and yeah. which were films from the past. Um, I know it's mostly, it's mostly Disney plus stuff that I'm even thinking of myself too. I'm just like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, See, like you, you or, put me on the spot. I'm, I'm like, I'm like thinking about some some films. Like, what have I watched? Sorry, not. Like, I've been that, watching. Something. Let's change it to content in general. Then, not not just not just uh, film or just one of the most things that you've been uh, enjoying from 2021. Um, just different TV shows. I've been watching a lot of a lot of TV shows. Um, there have been movies. Um. You know, and, and, and movies, I think I found some, some to be hit and miss. Um, like, you know, there's some that I, I was really looking forward to, like Army of the Dead, for example. I was really looking forward to that one because it looked so cool. Uh, the concept looked really neat. The execution I found to be kind of like, yeah, it was okay. Um, again, that was mainly due to like, there were just a ton of plot holes in that film. Mm-hmm. I found its sequel to be a better film. Uh, I um, I like the fact that they took uh, the, the German guy. Uh, oh God, I can't pronounce his name. Um, they made him the star of the sequel, and and for me, he was easily the standout of the first film. So I thought that was a really great move uh, on their part. Um, I watched a lot of like the the Netflix originals, you know, like uh, things like the Red Notice and. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, big big movies like this. There was that Ryan Reynolds one that came out early last year. Uh, Free Guy. Uh, similar. 
Oh. There was Free Guy. I enjoyed Free Guy. Um, I'm talking about there was a Netflix film he did. Um, oh, like Six Underground. Like, yes, yes. Yeah, that and was pretty good too. They, they were they were all kind of like they were good, but it wasn't like anything mm. great. It yeah. wasn't like like I was like blown away by any of these films. Mm-hmm. Like they were just sort of like enjoyable pop bubblegum. You know, I, I'm trying to honestly think of like a movie that like moved me. So. Um, here for last year for me yeah, yeah. it was uh, the one that came to my mind uh was the uh limited series i think it still might be running on netflix right now it's uh uh what was it called true it was called true story with um kevin hart it was uh, a, a limited series okay. ba- it was basically uh a show actually you probably like because it does have a lot of there's not many plot holes in it it's actually pretty good it's Almost like okay. a fake version of Kevin Hart's life, essentially. Um, it goes into oh, yeah. Okay. It goes into basically like it's a him being like a stand-up. He he he, he plays uh, a, a character called the Kid, where he plays like a stand-up comedian, a big movie star, uh, but he's in like uh, superhero movies type thing, like an MCU style character, um, basically. Yeah. And um, uh, it goes through his life outside of being in the movies and like. Uh, he partying and, and stuff like that and and uh, without going into spoilers and stuff of that show if you are interested in watching it um, okay. there's a a death that happens and it's about um, what happens uh, afterwards essentially interesting yeah it's okay. that's a, probably the easiest way I can describe it it has a lot it's really good like Kevin Hart acts it's really mm-hmm. good and then um, what's the guy um, I think I could be wrong on this but I think it's um What's the guy who is going to be playing Blade in the next Marvel movie? Um, oh, Marshall Ali. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah. I think that's the guy who plays Kevin Hart's uh, brother in this show. Um, okay. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's him. But I'm pretty sure he's in it. But it's it's a, it's a really strong, really good... Uh, it was really... I think it was 10 episodes, 8, eight or 10 episodes, mm-hmm. hour long each, I think. 45 okay. to an hour. Yeah, it was actually a, a pretty interesting one of the ones that caught my eye this year. I I'll have to check that one out because I, I haven't I haven't seen really anything about it. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't I haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other film that that sort of stands out uh, big time for me is Dune. I haven't um, seen it. It was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, as a cinematic sort of feast for the eyes. Uh, it's incredible. I watched some making of stuff on it uh, from the from the um, CG rendering side of things. The things they did with this film, like, is uh, honestly like uh, things that haven't been done before. Um, but but I just found like story wise, I thought it was a great story. I think I, you know I watched the the, the David Lynch version when I was a kid. Um, it confused the hell out of me. I didn't understand it. Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Villeneuve version um, comes across as much clearer as to what's going on, um, and yet tells a really great story. Um, I really like that one. That was that was a standout for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of more dramatic films that I've seen this past year and it's 
it's like I'm having I'm having difficulty. I'm having difficulty thinking of movies that that genuinely moved me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so usually when people ask me like what film did you enjoy, you know, it, it sort of comes into one of two categories for me. One is kind of the spectacle films, the ones that you know are just really big and loud and fun and, and enjoyable. It's kind of like getting on a roller coaster and enjoying that that ride. Like Fast Nine. Right? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I there's no it, there's like, no story to it. It's just a yeah, yeah. and th- that's why I haven't seen it. Yeah, it was like you know I watched I've, I've seen all the other Fast and Furious films, and then you know for me they kind of like they should have ended it with Fast Seven with Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, that that should have been the end because I watched the one after that and it was just like meh. Mm-hmm. And then this one came out and it just seemed even bigger and dumber. And oh, I'm like, totally oh my god! Is. Like you know they're they're shooting cars into space and yep. it's just like what the hell you know like this has lost any possible pretense of reality uh, oh, yeah. ever oh yeah I, um, I only saw it because my friend wanted me to to go see it with him so i was like yeah might as well yeah yeah, yeah 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 right so so you know do you know, do you know what's uh, one that, that you would like i, I think well yeah. if you haven't seen it already uh you want to watch with your daughters um mitchell's versus the machines on netflix as well it's I a, haven't seen that one. That's I think that's I one you would enjoy to watch uh, with uh, with your with your kids. It's uh, it's okay. so it's uh, basically about um, our our dependency on technology and stuff like that. And uh, there's it's really funny animation. It's from the same studio that did uh, Into the Spider Verse, I do believe. So it's not oh, yeah. it's not that animation. That awesome it's not that animation style, but it's uh, a good. Yeah. You know, you, they they put that's effort into company. yeah. So um, yeah. it's. Look at look it up on Netflix. It should still be up on there. It's really funny. There's good family dynamic, family um, yeah. uh, brother sister relationship in there. A good funny dad like dad moments. Um, some like okay. overprotective mom moments, but are really funny. Uh, it's actually there are some people that I watch um, on TikTok that do movie reviews and stuff. It was one of their yeah. their like favorite movies. Like not not just animated movies, but movies in general that that. They the, they watched and oh, stuff. So I will, I, yeah, I, I will put it on my list. That's a, yeah, that's one I think you would like with your kids. Yeah, having kids, it's like you know the there's a, a definitely the 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 cartoons and the kids movies we've watched a good share of this year. Um, like Free Guys up there for us as a highlight. That was a really good, good one. We enjoyed that one. Um, Ron's Gone Wrong. That was a really good one. Um, it had some real heart to it, which was. A, kind of surprising i didn't expect it and i found it had some real heart which was great um what else we watched a cartoon called the willoughby's uh just like a week ago or so um which was just silly fun mm-hmm. that that's a it's a funny little cartoon some great voice acting from like some canadian actors which is really awesome like martin short uh is in it uh and i think some other canadian actors so that's always nice when that happens um yeah, gosh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well, kind of stumped. I'll be honest. Like, I, I'll probably say Dune and Spider Man. Those two, are, I think, for me, they they really stand out over over a lot of the other films that I've seen this year. No, no, fair um, enough. If, it, if if there's anything beyond that, it would be something smaller, more you know, like not a big budget film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, probably be something more on an indie level uh or or that sort of mid-budget level um where they really try to go more for uh, 
for for character development and, and story and performance over over spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it means I'm getting older because I'm starting. You know, I, I very much enjoy and appreciate films like that now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so I'm writing. Are you? Uh, well, there's one other movie I do want to see. I guess I can't say this year because it's just the start of the year already, but. Uh, yeah. I'm contemplating. I wanted to get your opinion on Matrix Four. Are you contemplating seeing that? Do you want to? Do you think it's like why? Why bother? Why did they make it? Or kind of like Toy Story Four? Yeah, I don't really. I don't, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't understand why they made it. Um, and it, it's one of those where it's like, yes, I'm curious to see it because I love the Matrix films, um, in general. Um, and I love Keanu Reeves, uh, but at the same time, it's like I'm I'm hearing very mixed bag reactions about this one. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying it's great, other people are saying it's it's a total disappointment. Um, and it's like it it makes you kind of scared, right? Because you're like, I don't want to wreck the taste of the other ones if this one's really bad. Um, I guess at the end of the day, you can always treat it kind of like Highlander 2 and pretend it never actually <laughs> happened <laughs> and be like, yeah, it's fine. Well, that's what people yeah. say about the second and third. Everyone only says the first Matrix movie is good and the second one is yeah. okay. The third one is trash. So maybe this fourth one will be in the okay category. Right. Yeah. And there you go. It's And it's that's one of those things where, where you know, it sort of begs the question of if that's as good as they could make it. Mm. Why did they make it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I think the Spider-Man films are a really great example of, of each successive Spider-Man film is arguably better than the last one. And there's so few sequels that Spider-Man 3 though. No, no, no. I'm talking <laughs> about the he's the MCU Spider-Man movie. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> like the Tom Holland. Yeah. Like for me, the Tom Holland, like this last one's the best one out of the Tom Holland films, I think. Yeah. Um, no, no. Uh, the Tobey Maguire, no, no. Spider Man 3 is not the best one. Yeah. Spider Man 2 is. Yeah. I think Spider Man 2 is the best one of that lot. But um, yeah. But but yeah, I think Spider Man 3, they dropped the ball just because of all the all the studio interference from, mm-hmm. from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was less Sam Raimi's fault than it was just. Too many fingers in that pie. Yeah, Sam Raimi didn't want to put Venom in it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, all, well. Now that we're going going back, there we go. Full, perfect, full circle of going back to, to finishing it off with Spider-Man. Um, no, this this is great. Let's uh, let's call it uh, call it here then, or else we would just be continuing. Because I just thought of another question I wanted to ask you, but I'll I'll wait till it gets closer to <laughs> till it till. I'll wait till it gets closer till it comes out to ask this question because I will, and then I'll tell you what this question is afterwards. And we're gonna leave. Oh, uh, but um, so, uh, is there? I know uh, I'll leave the, your links, but what uh, want to do? What uh, what are you kind of doing? And kind of sign yourself off here. Is there anything people can follow you on or anything there? Um, I, I think the best uh, places to to follow me would be um, on Facebook. Follow me at Neil Chase Film. Uh, or at uh, Brimstone Pictures. Um, we're always updating something uh, on, on either of those um, to give people sort of a heads up uh, as to where we're going. Um, 
yeah, that's I think the the best way to follow me. Nice. Um, these days. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we'll, where we will call it. Um, this was the first episode of the year. First time being back in months. So hopefully I can stay more consistent. I'm trying to. I make no promises. But that's it for now for the M3 podcast for this uh, this episode. Thanks all for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time.